0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John for a New Testament lesson this morning. Reading from the fourth Gospel, John chapter 10. I'll begin with verse 11. I am the Good Shepherd. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word.
1: And then if you'll take your Bibles and... Turn with me to Psalm 23, a very familiar psalm, a psalm that we often hear during times of of death and illness at memorial services, at funerals, by the one who is sick, by the the sick bed. But Psalm 23 speaks much more to us than just in times of illness or death, uh, in times in which we may suffer from difficulties in our life, it really is an invitation to follow the Good Shepherd. And we've just read John chapter 10. You know, in Israel's history, uh, the shepherd had quite a complex and rich image. First of all, God was viewed often as the shepherd of his people. And then we know, of course, that the kings of Israel, And many of the religious leaders in their political and religious duties, respectively, they were regarded as the shepherd of their people. And on many occasions, when they didn't do a good job, it was the prophets of the Old Testament who reprimanded them and reminded them that they were to shepherd their people faithfully. And finally, there really was a job called a shepherd. That was a big part of the economy back in that day, is that there were sheep and someone had to tend... Uh, the sheep and in fact when we were in Israel uh, and Jordan back in uh, 2014 a group from Oakmont there are still shepherds on duty in Israel and as we were driving by in the bus you could look out and you could see the, the shepherds taking care of their sheep and their job of course is to provide for the needs of the flock but also to protect them and you're going to hear a lot of this of the need of protection and of providing in this psalm. As we read it, notice that the writer personalizes it. There are a lot of I's and a lot of me's and a lot of my's that are given in Psalm 23. So as as you follow along as I read it, personalize it for yourself and make it your psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths or in ruts or in grooves, you could translate that, of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley, Of the shadow of death probably a more accurate translation is even though I walk through the darkest of valleys and so see that takes us even beyond times of death doesn't it I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint My head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me. You know, the the better translation literally out of the Hebrew language is only, not surely, but only goodness and love will pursue me, will hunt me down all the days of my life and I will dwell or... I will return, I will come back to the house of the Lord forever. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you know, in the English language, it is actually five words. The Lord is my shepherd. But interestingly, in the Hebrew, it's only two words. The first word is Yahweh, translation, the Lord. And the second word in Hebrew goes like this, the one being my shepherd. It's kind of interesting how languages are different. So in Hebrew, Yahweh, second word, the one being my shepherd. We translate it in English, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, whether you want to go with two words or whether you want to go with five words, I think This Psalm 23, and especially these first five or two words, give us the gospel of the good shepherd of Jesus Christ in its simplest form. So what is the gospel of the good shepherd of Jesus Christ according to Psalm 23? Well, first of all, it tells us that the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, you know, lordship, implies that he is the one in charge, not us. That's a pretty difficult concept to get through to most of us hard knuckleheads who like to be in charge of our life, right? But the Lord is my shepherd, and he's the one that's in charge. That word, Lord, as I've already told you, is Yahweh. But interestingly enough, when the Hebrew people saw that word Yahweh, they never spoke it aloud. It was considered so holy, so reverent, so special. Here is the one who influences my life, who is in charge of my life, who tells me what to do, who runs my life. It's too sacred and holy for me to speak Yahweh. So the Hebrew people, when they saw that word, would actually substitute another Hebrew word, Adonai, which means Lord too. So they would never say the word Yahweh, the Lord, out loud. Why? Because it's too holy. It's too sacred to speak aloud. This one who runs and controls my life. I honor and I respect the name. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, probably, was it February or March, about two years ago, when the long time coach at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, the basketball coach, Dean Smith, died. And you may recall that on the Sunday, I think it was the Sunday following his death, there was a memorial service that was held on the Carolina campus in the building that bears his name. And I remember watching it. They they showed the service across the state of North Carolina. I think it was on UNC- Uh, public television, and also on several of the regular networks. And I remember when the current basketball coach, Roy Williams, came to speak. He said something like this. He said, if you ever hear it said of me, that I said, Dean said so-and-so, or Dean did so-and-so, you can know it's a lie. Because I never called him Dean. I always called him Coach Smith, or I always called him Coach, but I never called him Dean. You know, there are just some names that are too holy and sacred to misuse. And one of those names is the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh, is the one that is supposed to be running and controlling our lives. We give him our utmost respect. We give him our highest honor. We remember the third of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 is don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. And we intentionally realize That he is the one that's in charge of our life. Now, one of the things that shouldn't be lost on us this morning is that there are a lot of us in this room that have made Jesus Savior of our life. We are glad for what he did for us on the cross. But there's a difference in making him the Savior of your life and making him the Lord, the one who is in charge. So that's the question I'd ask you this morning. Not only have you made him Savior, Really, honestly. Is he the one who is in charge of your life? Is he in control? Is he the Lord? Well, it's not only the Lord, but it is the Lord is. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, we not only serve a past tense God and a future tense God, but he is a present tense God. It's why the psalmist could write that even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Present tense all the way. God is the one who goes with us right now in the present. Now, you know, the the psalm talks a lot about taking us to green pastures. And it talks a lot about leading us beside the quieter still waters. And towards the end of the psalm, it talks a lot about preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies and my cup overflows. And as I told you a minute ago, only, not surely, but literally only, goodness and mercy will hunt me down and pursue me. Sometimes we forget that between the green pastures, and the quiet waters, and the goodness and the mercy, and the table that's set before me with my cup overflowing, sometimes we forget that there are those times in our lives where we have to walk through those darkest of valleys. And a lot of you in this room have walked through dark valleys in recent days or in times gone by. And you know what it's like to go through those times of sickness and illness and the death of a loved one. You know what it's like to go through times of great disappointment and heartache. You know what it's like to have your heart rinsed from your chest because of some pain or sadness in your life or some grief. You understand what it's like to go through times of disagreement or conflict with someone. But you know the promise of Scripture is that God is the God who is. He isn't just was, and he's just not the one who is to come. He is, and he is with us right now. And I want to remind you today that if you make him the Lord of your life, the one who's in charge, you need to be reminded that he will go with you. And it's not limited to yesterday or tomorrow. He goes with you right now, present tense. Well, you know, it's not only the Lord, and it's not only the Lord is, but notice that it is the Lord is my shepherd. He's not only a present tense God, he's a personal God. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your good shepherd. He wants to be the one that's personally and intimately involved in your life. Now, you've, you've heard me say this before, but I'm, I'm going to say it again because it fits in. I can always tell when someone who is not officially a member at Oakmont has finally made Oakmont their church and me their pastor. Let me tell you the way it happens. We're out in public somewhere, and I run into them. They're not officially members. They might have been coming for weeks or months or maybe even years. They've not officially joined, but I see them somewhere in public, and they're with some other people, and here's what they say. I would like for you to meet my pastor at my church. And that's when I discover that they have moved their membership without moving their membership. They've made me their pastor and they've made Oakmont their church unofficially, not not officially. And that's good. I love hearing that. They don't say, hey, I'd like for you to meet the pastor at the church where I attend. They say, I'd like for you to meet my pastor at my church. That's what happened to that, that guy we call Doubting Thomas. You know old Doubting Thomas in John chapter 20? Jesus has appeared at the upper room, and Thomas is not there, the other disciples are. And then Jesus disappears, and then Thomas shows up, and the disciples are all excited, and they say, Thomas, you won't believe it, we've seen the Lord and he thinks they're crazy. They're seeing things. There's something wrong with them. They're they're having this emotional and mental and psychological meltdown. And he makes that famous statement, unless I see and feel the nail prints in his hands literally in his wrist, that's where the Jews nailed him to the cross was in their wrist, seven inch spikes right here unless I feel his side. I'm not going to believe. And then a week later, all of them, including Thomas, are in that upper room, and Jesus appears the second time. And if you remember in the text, the only thing that Thomas does at that point is he falls down on his knees, and he looks up at Jesus, and he says, My Lord and my God. There comes a time where every one of us has to decide if we're going to claim him for our own. I mean, you can talk intellectually all you want to, and and, and you can reason through whether God exists or he doesn't exist. At some point, the academic and intellectual exercises has to end, and experience has to count for something, and you and I both have to decide, is he my good shepherd? Is he my God? Is he my Savior and is he my Lord? Well, you know, the last part of this is that it says the Lord is my shepherd. We have just read the text out of John 10 about the good shepherd, Jesus. And one of the characteristics of the shepherd is that he's always out in front of his sheep. He's always leading the way. And in this psalm, we we get a feel for how intimately and how personally and how practically God, our shepherd, wants to take care of all of our needs. You know, for instance, the good shepherd takes care of our hunger and our thirst. He takes us to green pastures and takes us to the still, quiet waters. He cares about our physical needs. You don't think he cares about what happens to you, think again. He cares about the little stuff. Like what you eat and what you drink he's a good table host he cares about our relationships with people he wants us to make things right with each other the text says he prepares a table before us where in the presence of our good friends in the presence of our favorite family members the text says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies He wants us to get along with each other and find healing and reconciliation. The text says that he heals our emotional and mental and spiritual wounds and even our physical wounds. You know, at the end of the day, you know what the shepherd always did? One by one, as the sheep are going into the the pen, the sheepfold, he's picking all of them up. And he's looking around, he's checking out their paws. He, he's just checking them over to see if there are any visible wounds. And many time, times the shepherd would take all. You know, all is, is, that's anointed or placed on us has, has healing ability. And he would put all on the sheep. The, the text says that he anoints our head with all. He wants to bring healing and wholeness to our life holistically. The text says that he speaks and he guides us if we will but listen to his voice. He leads me in the paths, or you could translate it, the grooves or the ruts of righteousness. Just like a vehicle in snow that's churning out the snow, and you can follow behind that person in the rut. So we follow behind the rut, the pathway of the good shepherd. The good shepherd hunts us down. The good shepherd pursues us with goodness and mercy. And he does that in such a way that he restores my soul. The purpose is to give us renewed vitality in our life so that we can be a whole person again if God if we will just let God do that and the last thing that the shepherd invites us to do in response to all of this is I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever now that word dwell actually can be translated to return the biblical word For repent is this same word. I will repent or I will return to the house of the Lord forever. Now, you know, we live in a day and age in which a lot of people are forsaking the community of faith called the church. And those who are not forsaking it completely are not showing up very often. We've been having this running conversation in our deacon body for probably close to two years. What's happening to people? How come we don't have as many people showing up in our services? Well, the reality is, and we've been doing some of this statistical analysis, we've been checking out how many people do come at least once to worship on Sunday in a month's time. And it's a tremendous amount of Oakmoners who are showing up once a month but the reality is those people who used to come three and four times a month are now coming two or three times a month those who used to come two or three times a month are now co- coming once a month and those who used to come once a month are coming six times a year and those who used to come six times a year are coming twice a year Amen. <laughs> How about that? Somebody is awake this morning Now why is that the case? Well, some people have looked at the ten top reasons why people are not showing up for worship. You want to hear why? You you just kind of check off if you fall in one of these categories. My my guess is you'll check more than one. People are not showing up to worship now because of increased mobility and travel. Are, Are you checking off now? People are not showing up for worship because of vacations and second homes and going on cruises, etc., etc. Sunday sports leagues. People are not showing up for worship because of Sunday soccer, baseball, just fill in the blank. People are not showing up on Sunday because they are caring for aging parents. Checking it off? People are not showing up for worship because of illness. We do get sick every once in a while, don't we? People are not showing up on Sunday because of exhaustion from a busy week. They run twenty-four-seven Monday through Saturday, and when they get up on Saturday morning, they can't go. Sunday morning, they can't go again, and that's why they tell me. I'm using that word they. Well, that's why you tell me. You didn't see me on Sunday, but I saw you. You know how that's translated? I stayed at home and live streamed or cut on cable channel 7 in my pajamas and drank coffee while I listened to the service. People are staying home because one out of three Americans work on Sunday. Did you know 33% of Americans work on Sunday now? People are staying home from worship because of weekend athletic events. They go away for a football or a basketball game and they just stay gone the whole weekend. You checking it off here? People are staying away from worship because of holidays that wrap around weekends. There's a Monday holiday or a Friday holiday. Hey, we got a long weekend. Let's go somewhere. And people are staying away from worship Just because of the good old fashioned lack of commitment. Now, I want to tell you something. I want you to go and to be away from here every once in a while because you need to get away. And you are going to be sick, and you do have aging parents, and you do need to be away for vacation, and you are worn out physically, emotionally, you're tired. BUT I WANT TO REMIND YOU THAT THE FOURTH COMMANDMENT SAYS TO REMEMBER THE SABBATH DAY AND KEEP IT HOLY. AND WE COULD DO A BETTER JOB OF THAT. EVERY ONE OF US. AND THAT'S THE RESPONSE OF THE PSALMIST THAT I WILL RETURN. I WILL REPENT OF BEING AWAY FROM THE COMMUNITY OF FAITH AND I WILL RETURN TO THE HOUSE of the Lord forever. And when we do all of these things that the psalmist invites us to do, when you really know the Good Shepherd, the promise is you shall lack for nothing physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. You know, I like that story of, of the great actor. This actor was a guest of honor at a social gathering, and after the meal was over with, they were sitting around, and the guest. Ask him to recite some of their favorite literary works, which he gladly did. And at one point, there was an old preacher who was present. And he asked if that famous actor might recite his favorite scripture, Psalm 23. Well, the actor agreed to do so on the condition that the preacher also recite Psalm 23 for the gathering. So the actor stood up and his recitation was beautifully intoned with, with dramatic emphasis. And when he, when he finished and sat down, I mean, there was just <laughs> lengthy applause. It was so beautiful. And then the old preacher stood up and he began to recite Psalm 23. His recitation was rough and broken from many years of preaching his diction was anything but polished. But when he sat down, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Later after the event was ending, someone asked the actor what made the difference between the two. And he replied, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. And that's the question for you this morning. Do you know the shepherd? The good shepherd? Do you know him in a personal way? Is he my, your shepherd? And have you made him not only the Savior, but have you made him the Lord of your life? Friends, we're going to sing a hymn as we move to our next opportunity of singing. It is... Hymn number 690, He Leadeth Me, O oh Blessed Thought. And as we sing that hymn this morning, you know, there's a lot of folks, I, I look around this room and there could be someone here who is not a Christian, who has not made Jesus Savior. But I look around this room and I see the potential, I'm not saying it's the case, I'm just saying I see the potential that it could be the case that there are pockets of people who really haven't made Jesus Lord. He doesn't run your life. He's not in charge. And you know it. He's not your Lord. He's not your good shepherd. So maybe this would be a time in which you might really think about your relationship with God as we sing this hymn and and to consider what is it that I need to fix or repair or mend with God today? Maybe you've been through our Oakmont 101 class and our membership class and you're ready to become a part of the Oakmont Church family. You may find it meaningful to go back to our prayer stations, to leave a prayer request, to light a candle that symbolizes that prayer. One of our ministers will be standing back there ready to pray with you or for you if that would be meaningful. Feel free just to move from where you'll be standing to sing and and go to the prayer station if that would be helpful. And I'll be here at the front. If I can pray for you or hear a decision, I'd welcome that, and as you know, we saw the video about the good work that Baptist Hospital is doing in helping families and individuals who financially are unable to pay their medical bill. You're a part of the anointing of all, the healing of people in that situation, and we have two offering baskets that are here at the front. I would invite you, as God leads you, to bring a special gift, an offering that will be sent to Baptist Hospital on our church's behalf. So as God leads you, I hope you'll respond. Let's stand and let's sing our hymn together. Friends, welcome this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all who are here, and certainly we can celebrate uh, our own mothers and the gift that they have been in our lives, and it's just good to be God's people to celebrate the gifts that he sends our way of abundance and the gift of being in community with each other here at Oakmont. If you're a first-time or returning guest or a long-time Oakmont member, it's just good to be here his people as we come together to worship him and as i mentioned a little bit ago in my sermon we do have people who worship with us by way of cable channel seven and live stream and we are glad Uh, especially if they cannot be here we are glad they're worshiping with us if they could be here we want them to come right can we shake our heads and say amen about that hey we want to continue to worship god by practicing generous giving as our ushers come now, we're going to return to him our, God's tithes and our offerings and invite you to share as God leads you.